Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter. I see a bunch of new faces today, which is exciting. So um, please, please, please uh, come and see me after service, or I'd love to introduce myself to you. Um, right after service. Uh, I'll be in the lobby, so please make sure before you head out just to come shake my hand. I'd love to say hello to you. Uh, So uh, we are in the middle of our dream series. We just started this last week. We've been talking about how God has a dream for every person on earth, and that dream is to become who God has created each of us to be. Like every one of us was created for a reason, for a purpose, and God has created each one of us to become who we should be, who we were created to be, but also so that we could then help others to do the same. And so uh, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and so there are four elements we talked about with the dream. The first last week was about family, about God created us to be in a relationship with him, but also in relationship with with other people in church and together in the body of Christ. There's uh, the concept of growing as a disciple, there's a concept of serving and finding your purpose in life, and then finally also becoming a giver, which is not just money, but giving of ourselves. We see that Jesus Jesus gave everything of himself, and we're called to do the same. So God's dream is for all people. And last week, we talked about the first concept of that, which was family, and how we are called to be a part of God's family. And our big idea last week was that the dream that God has for people really begins with relationships. It's all about relationships, primarily with him, but then with each other. And this week, we're going to continue with the dream series and talk about the idea of growing, as uh, growing as a disciple, growing in Jesus, uh, and growing up as believers. When I was a kid, maybe uh, some of you are around similar ages or perhaps maybe older, you remember this. Um, Maybe in the 80s, you remember those Be Like Mike um, uh, ads that were out there. Everybody in the world wanted to be like Michael Jordan. I think we maybe even have an ad here. Uh, This is what it was like. I remember seeing them everywhere. I remember a song, I want to be like Mike. I remember everybody had Michael Jordan t-shirts. I remember everywhere you, you went, it seemed like everybody wanted to be like Michael Jordan because he was an incredible athlete doing things that nobody had ever done before, right? Um... Myself, personally, I was never really a basketball fan, and I really wasn't either uh, really into sports that much as a kid. I'm, I'm pretty much into sports now, but as a kid, I wasn't, so I was probably the odd man out. I didn't really want to be like Michael Jordan. I mean, I wanted to be successful like him, because who wouldn't? But I, he wasn't really my idol. So I started thinking this week, who is it that when I was a kid, I wanted to be like when I grew up? And so I compiled a list, and we have a few of them on here. So the first person that I wanted to be like was, was like uh, Jonathan Brandis from Sequest. Does anybody remember this guy? Anybody remember Sequest? Uh, all the girls that I knew wanted to be with this guy, date him, and every guy I knew wanted his hair. Uh, he, he just, tell you what, Jonathan Brandis, uh, R.I.P. Jonathan, R.I.P. The second person that I wanted to be like was uh, Jareth from Labyrinth and the Goblin King. Uh, from, from Labyrinth, he, he just, I'll tell you what, he had incredible hair, and uh, his pants were great too. I don't know if you remember Labyrinth, but R.I.P. David Bowie as well. Uh, also, the next person I wanted, can I get an image up here? Uh, I wanted to be Link from The Legend of Zelda. I played a whole lot of video games, particularly uh, Zelda. I love this guy. I actually have him tattooed on my arm um, because it's just, it was that important to me as a kid. But, uh, I mean, who doesn't want to go and rescue a princess and use a sword to do it? I mean, 
This guy, Link, was awesome. And then finally, this guy, uh, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris was somebody, I grew up watching a whole lot of movies uh, with Chuck Norris in them. I remember uh, Sidekicks, which also had Jonathan Brandis in it, so that was a double whammy for me. Uh, Chuck Norris, who didn't want to have Uzis strapped to your shoulders? I mean, look at that, that beard. I mean, that's just incredible. And everybody knows the Chuck Norris jokes. I, you know, it's kind of funny, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but in reality, I wasn't into sports. So I watched TV, I watched movies, I played video games. Um, if I could have been uh, Sigourney Weaver and Alien, I would have done that too, fighting with that cool machine. Like, there were people as a kid that I loved and that I idolized that I wanted to grow up to be like. And so what do you do? When you want to become like somebody, you have to practice. You've got to pretend to be like them. In fact, my brother and I, I remember we wanted to be ninjas as kids. So I remember Chris and I would go in the backyard and we would practice jumping off of our uh, back porch, which was like eight feet in the air. And now I would jump off and try to land and try not to break my my ankles. Chris would jump off and do one of those cool roll flips and all that kind of stuff. And then at nighttime would come along and we would pretend that we were ninjas. We would hide in corners in the dark. And I I only imagine that in my mind, I was wearing black. I had like a katana sword and I was the guy being a ninja. But in reality, people were like, I see you. I see you right there. <laughs> but but that's, what, that's what you do. When you want to grow up to be like somebody, you, you emulate them. You try to be like them. So who, who were some people that you uh, dreamt of being as a kid? Who did you want to be when you grew up? Or maybe even who do, you, who do you like to be now? Who is it that you're emulating after at this moment? Are there people in your life right now that you respect? Are there people that you look up to? People that you do try to model your life after? Or perhaps do we inadvertently maybe even allow ourselves to, to be influenced by people who are flashy but maybe shallow uh, you know, underneath or pe- people who maybe have even destructive habits. And now before I, when I say what I'm about to say, please just hear a disclaimer. I don't have any problem with this individual. But this past Sunday we watched the Super Bowl. And during the Super Bowl halftime, uh, there was a, a couple performers and one particular person was Beyonce. Beyonce comes out on the, onto the field, and she's dancing, and everybody loves Beyonce because she's an incredible performer, and I have nothing against her. But then she starts doing some sort of dancing, which involved her hips gyrating all over the place. And my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, is watching this. And you know what she said to me? She said, you know, I heard that Beyonce is a great dancer. And I said, look, I said, Autumn, here's the deal. She has a beautiful voice. I said, but Beyonce isn't so much dancing. That's not really a dance. She's more doing, and I, and I found myself as a parent, maybe call me old fashioned, but I found myself as a parent having to tell her, Autumn, that's not how you should be using your body. Like you're 13 years old and like, she's not even wearing pants. I mean, not my daughter, but Beyonce wasn't even wearing pants. Okay. She's wearing like this leotard thing and shaking herself around, which clearly is designed to get the attention of certain male counterparts. Right? So so that's an example of an individual. Like, are we being inadvertently influenced by people that that doesn't bug us anymore, that those types of things? Maybe you could call me old or old-fashioned, but, like, I am keenly aware of this when my 13-year-old daughter or when my 9-year-old son is sitting there watching this. When I go to the mall and I see the Victoria's Secret, you know, like outside of the mall, there's those really big posters of the women in their underwear. Like, my son cannot help but be, like, staring at it, you know? Like, I mean, as a dad... As a dad, I am more aware of what the things that have desensitized me because I've been aware of them because they're, you know, I've seen it all my life. But my son, who's nine, is seeing some of these things for the first time. You understand? So, like, are we inadvertently being influenced by things that we're not really aware of? That was just something I wanted to ask there. But we've been talking about the dream. 
that God has for all people. We talked last week about family, right? This concept of when we find a place to belong in the body of Christ, when we find a place to belong in a relationship with Jesus, when we become a child of God, that sets the foundation for God's dream, family. But then once we move from that, once we become part of the family, we find belonging, the next step is really the next priority becomes to take steps towards becoming like Jesus, to becoming who we were created to be. We can't fulfill God's dream in our lives without becoming who he wanted us to be, who he created and designed us to be. And just like when we were kids wanting to grow up to be like a celebrity or an athlete, as Christians, we are now called to grow up and to become like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean then to grow up and become like Jesus. Well, this is the big idea of the day. If you're taking notes, pull out your notes uh, page inside of your program and write this down. To be a Christian means to become like Christ. To be a Christian means to become like Christ. The first time, in fact, that people were actually called Christians was in a city called Antioch. In, in Acts chapter 11, we're not going to go there, but in Acts chapter 11, it talks about how all these Christians were, were, were in the city and were doing such incredible work and, and for Jesus that it actually has a line that says, in fact, in the city of Antioch, Christians were for the first time ever called Christians. Now, in that passage, the word Christians means little Christs, little Jesuses. And the idea of this is that the believers were so passionate about what God had done in their life, that Jesus had died on the cross for them. He had resurrected. They were so excited about him that as like almost like children, that they wanted to emulate Jesus so badly that in everything that they did, the way that they talked, the way that they treated their neighbors, the way that they acted at work, they were so much like Jesus that the city actually began to call them little Christs, little Jesuses. I mean, imagine that. Like that, that you would get a nickname based off of somebody because you were so good at emulating them. That's what it was like there. They did it so well that people started calling them. So if you want to grow up in your faith, we have to start with becoming like Jesus. That's where it all starts. In order for us to grow in our faith, to be a Christian means to become like Jesus. And just like kids, when we wanted to be like superheroes, we would practice, right? We would act like them. How many kids for their birthdays, boys and girls, get, get all sorts of like costumes and they get the shields and the swords and the guns and, and all sorts of things so that they can emulate the things that they dream of becoming like, right? As Christians, we are to do the same. The same is true in our faith. We are called to practice and we are called to act like Christ. And as we do, we will grow. And as we grow more like Jesus, we then become who God created us to be. And God's dream becomes a reality in our lives, and then it becomes a reality in those around us. So then the question then becomes, well, how do we grow up and become like Jesus? Well, we get some insights into what it means to grow in a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. If you have your smartphones and your tablets, open them up to Matthew chapter 13 on your smartphone app. And we also have the scriptures here on the screen. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. This is what it says. Listen, this is Jesus talking. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. So if you, if you guys have this, imagine, this imagery, uh, they didn't have like tractors and things. So they had footpaths in between the sections of where they would plant seeds so that the farmer could walk. Okay, so that's what the footpath is. So imagine a farmer walking through with a bag full of seeds and he's just throwing the seeds into the soil, right? Some of it, he said, fell on the footpath and birds just swooped down and came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with rock underneath it. 
Those seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, or even 100 times as much had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Have you ever read a passage of Scripture in the Bible where Jesus was talking and he ends it with saying, anyone who has ears to hear, let him listen and understand. What he was saying there is, this is very important. I'm giving you a key to understanding something in your faith. So when Jesus says, anyone who has ears to hear, let him listen and understand, what he is saying is, listen up. This is one of the most important things that I'm going to tell you. His disciples then later asked him, hey, Jesus, like when they were, I can imagine the disciples at this time when they're sitting there listening to Jesus tell the story about the the farmer and the seeds, and they're going, hmm, that was good, Jesus. That was really good. And then later on when they go get lunch at Burger King, and they're sitting down, and the disciples are like, hey, man, that was really good. Can you explain to us what that parable meant? Because his disciples weren't so bright. And so verses 18 through 23, a couple verses later it then goes, Jesus says, Well, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. So I'm basically going to lay it down for you in English. Now you know what I'm talking about, right? And he says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. So basically what Jesus was saying here is that these are people who hear the message of Jesus But it goes in one ear and right out the other. For whatever reason, we don't necessarily know, they just aren't interested in the gospel message or they just don't seem to take the time to investigate it. There are a lot of people like that. People at work, right, who who know you're a Christian. Most people in the room, if you're a Christian, would say, most people in my work know that I go to church. They probably know I'm a Christian. But for whatever reason, those people don't ever seem to want to know more or aren't attracted to it, or the message that they've heard at church, or whatever. There are lots of people who are like that. For whatever reason, it just doesn't, doesn't connect with them, right? It doesn't hit them. That's what this is talking about. But then he goes on, he says, that the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems, or they're persecuted for believing God's word. Now, these are people who are like Facebook fans for Jesus on, you know, on Facebook. These are people who get all excited when they hear the message. They come to church or they go to a rally or, or, or maybe something in school, right? A Bible study. And someone tells them about Jesus and they're like, yes, this is exactly what I need. I know that I need this in my life, right? There are people who get so excited because they hear the message of the gospel, but then they don't really do anything with it. They fall away quickly because they never really allow Jesus to transform their lifestyle. That's what he's saying is that these are people who get really excited at first because they know exactly that this message is exactly what they need in their life. But for whatever reason, the problems come and they forget about it. They don't have any, any true change in their lifestyle. So then they fall away because of the problems or even maybe their friends. Perhaps they tell their friends, I went to church. Man, I'm feeling great because I found this new relationship with Jesus. And people mock them. People, they make fun of them or they just don't have that similar lifestyle and so they just fall away. The Bible is saying, what Jesus is saying, there's those people don't have roots in their faith so they, they wither and they die. And it all happens because they don't take time to develop a relationship with Jesus. So no roots equals a withering faith. Then Jesus goes on, he says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word 
But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the, and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Again, Jesus is painting a picture here of people who like what Jesus has to offer, but who refuse to make any changes in their life. And it seems like they're more worried about what's happening around on the outside of them than allowing him to transform them on the inside. These are people who are too busy and don't make their faith a priority. Maybe there's somebody in the room who, who, who identifies in this space. People who have said in the last couple of weeks, we've mentioned it. Last week, I wasn't planning on saying something like it, but I believe I did. I said, there are people in our church who don't, who don't make their faith a priority, and then they wonder why their faith is stale. Or they talk about how, how, like, man, I just feel like my faith is dry, or like I haven't heard from God in a while. And it's like, well, have you been reading your Bible? Have you been praying? Have you been going to life groups and surrounding yourself with other disciples? Have you been having time with God? Have you been coming to church on a regular basis to hear from him? Well, no. Well, duh. <laughs> I mean, like, right? I mean, and so, so that's what this is talking about here, is that these are people who are not connected to God's family or either in his house or in consistent relationships. He's saying that there are people who hear the word of God. They say, yes, I want that. But then the rest of life gets in the way. It's kind of like weeds that sort of crowd in right around a plant. That's what it's saying here. But then Jesus goes on and he says, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Now, what is Jesus saying here? What is, what is he really saying? He's saying that the soil of our hearts is what makes all the difference. So when we ask that question of how do we grow up to become like Jesus, it really is about our heart. Because Jesus painted a picture of four different types of soil, the footpath, the rocky soil. He talked about the thorns, and then he talked about fertile soil. The only one that grew was one that had good soil. If you are a gardener, I know in, in Lawrenceville particularly, we've got a lot of urban gardens. If you do any kind of gardening, you know that this is true. That unless you've got a good space for something to grow, it just won't. Or it'll be very small. It won't have much fruit, right? So what Jesus was saying was that if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to become like Jesus, then it begins with a place of where you have to have a, a soil of your heart that makes a difference. It's an intentionality in our relationship that really makes the difference. We have to become intentional in our relationships. Growth in our faith comes from hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. I mean, look at the very last part of that. It says, the, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who what? Truly hear and understand God's word. Later on, not Jesus speaking, but I believe it was Paul, in one of the epistles later on in the New Testament says that a man who hears the word of God but doesn't do it is like a person who looks in the mirror and then when he walks away immediately forgets his reflection. I mean, have you ever had that? Have you ever had that happen? It's actually happened to me where I go to the mirror and I want to look at myself to make sure everything looks right and then I walk away and then I forget, wait a minute, did I? and you have to go back and look at it again. You ever done that with your watch? You want to look at what time it is and then you go, great. And you're like, wait, what time was it again? That's what it's talking about. He's saying that in order to be like Jesus, in order to grow in your faith, you have to listen to God's word and understand it and then begin to apply it. To be able to grow up like Jesus and become like him in our faith means to hear the word of Jesus and then to apply it in our life. That's what he's saying. Otherwise, we're like those people who keep looking at our watch over and over again, the people who are looking in the mirror forgetting what they look like. That's what that verse was saying. We grow as we become like Jesus. So to finish off the message today, I put together a few growth steps, some things that I 
got from this passage of Scripture that, that will help us if we apply them in our life, concepts that will help us to be able to grow in our faith. Because this is God's dream. God's dream is for all people to become who they were meant to be, who we were created to be. We were created to become like Jesus and have a relationship with him, to have family, to grow as disciples, to not stay the same, right? So this is the grow part of this. So how can we grow? The first thing is this. We have to have a heart for Jesus. We have to have a heart for Jesus. If we're going to grow in our lives, in our, rela- in our relationship with Christ, we have to have fertile soil. What this is saying, and I kind of mentioned earlier, is it's really all about creating a healthy environment for growth to take place. If you want to grow in your faith, you have to be intentional about it. You've got to clear out the dirt, you're out, out the rocks. You have to pull all the weeds up. If you're starting a garden anywhere, you have to create a space for that garden to grow. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Some of you have a concrete backyard, in which case you have to rip that up. Some of you have nice grass, and all you got to do is pull up the grass. For some of you, it's going to be harder than others because of whatever your lifestyle is like. But in order for you to create an environment for growth to happen, it starts with your heart. You have to begin in a place of expectancy. We have to allow Jesus access to the deepest places of our lives. And that means that we have to allow our experience with him to marinate a little bit. Some, some of you come to church on Sundays and you, you sing worship songs and, and, and you, you hear the message that's preached and you know it applies to you. But in order for you to move from the person that hears the message of Christ, the message of the gospel, the message from God's word, and it apply to you, and then, but, but there's the, the first part where those people who hear it, but then their problems come and their, or their persecution comes and they immediately forget it and they wither, if for, in order for you to move from that place to the place of fertile soil, you have to allow what God does in you, and what he, with that experience you have, you have to allow it to marinate a little bit. You have to allow it to, to speak to you. Sometimes, I had a friend of mine in church here who told me, sometimes I hear you say things and it's hard for me to hear because I don't want to change in that moment, right? And I thought, that's true. But the, the, the thing is, is that we only change when we allow God's word to speak to us. And then our initial reaction is when I hear something that butts against my natural tendencies is to, is to shut it out, right? I mean, that's defensiveness. We all do that. When my wife calls me on something that I don't want to hear, I lash back out and say, no, 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 that's not right or that's not true, right? But if I allow her words to sink in, if I allow God's words to sink in when I'm here and I hear something that I know is true about my life, if I allow that guard to come down and I allow his presence to speak to me, it will begin to, to soften my heart. It begins to till up that soil in my heart, right? That's what we have to do. We have to allow it. long after Sunday morning is over, when you go out to lunch after church, when you go home and you go to sleep, when you wake up the next morning, you should allow God to continue to speak to you about what he says to you on a Sunday morning. Or if you go to life group, when you get there, that's a great place to allow it to marinate because that's specifically what we do. We design our life groups around the concept of Sunday morning. What is it that God spoke to us as a whole body, as a whole church? And then we sit down in groups of people who are like us and we talk about what that means in your personal life. You're allowing God's word to sink into the deepest places of your life. When we do that, we create fertile soil. Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear, right? What we're talking about here is expectantly listening. We're talking about a willingness to hear. When you come to church on Sundays, come with an expectant ear. Come with someone who has ears to hear. That means when you walk in the door, don't just sit down and say, I already know all this. I had people who actually said that. They had us out to, had us out to dinner. Uh, they had us come over to their house. This was shortly after we launched the church. And we went to their house, and they said, we were wondering 
if, if there was anything more to our faith or if we had learned everything. That's what they said to me. I said, um, I'm sorry, I'm confused. Like, I didn't understand. Like, because to me, my faith is not about knowledge. It's not about uh, acquiring a degree in understanding Jesus, you know? Like, what it is about is a relationship. And these people, and I'm not trying to judge them. Maybe I misunderstood them. But it did not seem as though they had a relationship. It seemed like they were more just trying to gather knowledge so that they could then move on and acquire other pieces of knowledge that would help them. And, and I say that in the sense of, like, if you come into church with that kind of a mindset that you're just trying to check off boxes somehow and that makes you a better person, you're missing out. You're not going to hear the living, breathing words of the Holy Spirit speaking to you that will challenge you and transform you and change you. Come with an expectancy to hear God speaking into you because I promise you God can speak into any circumstance that you're living in. Anytime, at any moment, he can speak something to you that will change the way that you think about your situations or even about yourself. Even if you're in a great place, you're in a beautiful place, man, things are good. Life is good right now. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, you're awesome. I love you. Let's keep going. There's more for you, right? That's what the expectancy says. Anyone who has ears, when we read our Bibles, as soon as you open it up, start with that, God, I want to hear from you today. Maybe that'll change everything for you. Some of you said, I have not read my Bible in a long time because every time I do, it just seems boring. It seems irrelevant. I don't know. I don't feel like it speaks to me. Perhaps you're not coming with expectant ears. Say that. Speak to the Holy Spirit. God, would you speak to me? I just want to hear from you. Help me to see your word in a different way today. I challenge you to do that. The second thing after we begin with a heart for Jesus is that we need a lifestyle like Jesus. In order for us to become like Jesus, if we're going to be Christians, to be a Christian means to become like that's right. Can I do it again? To become a Christian, to be a Christian means to become like? That's right, everybody. So in order to do that, we have to have not just a heart for Jesus, we have to have a lifestyle like Jesus, right? It was talking about roots. It was talking about creating deep roots. Well, how do we create deep roots as a plant? How do we do that as a Christian? How do we create deep roots of faith so that problems and persecution will not uproot it? I'm fascinated by how hurricanes can rip up cars, right? Sometimes the wind is so powerful that it comes through and it can blow a car around and yet you'll see a tree that can withstand it. I see, you see those videos in the tropics of palm trees that are really tall, skinny trees, and they just blow and they bend, but they don't get uprooted. Why? It's because of the root system that they have deep below under the ground. And that's what it's saying here is that when the storms come, when the problems come, the persecution comes, those who have deep roots in their faith will be able to withstand them. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter what situations are happening, no matter what fears or doubts that happen or things that come along, they will not be able to uproot you in your faith and you will be able to withstand those things because of your relationship with Christ. But that takes time to develop a relationship. So that means that we actually have to take steps to create a relationship rather than just an idea. Facebook is an idea. I'm a Facebook fan of Jesus. I like Jesus. I like what he says. I like the concept of who he is. We should love everybody, right? That's what everybody thinks about Jesus. It's just, you just love everybody. And it's true, we should love everybody. But Jesus says, make disciples. It means to become like him, to live like him. So in order to do that, we actually have to take steps. So here are some things that I thought about to create a lifestyle like Jesus. I would encourage you to actually take steps to find some worship music. Like, actually go out of your way to find out who the artists are who wrote the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings so that you can find them on iTunes and download them and listen to them in the middle of the week. I would encourage you to create a Spotify playlist so that you can go out there and find worship music and, or Christian music that you can listen to that's going to uplift you and challenge you throughout the week. 
I would encourage you to get a Bible. Get a Bible. I would encourage you to get the, the Bible app on your phone. Okay? Download. I say it every week. But then not just to get it, I encourage you to read the Bible, to pull it out, to allow God to speak to you because the Bible is the best way to know what God is like. So I encourage you to take steps towards getting a Bible, reading a Bible. I encourage you to go to a Christian bookstore or go on Amazon and buy a devotional book, something that's going to to help you and has a topic for each week. It'll take a passage of Scripture that might give you more of an application. In fact, I started a one-year Bible reading plan where it takes me through different passages each day for every day of the year. But what I like about it is it's it's not just the Scriptures— that actually takes a, uh, a devotional piece that links the Old Testament and the New Testament passages together in one devotional every day. It's really cool. But that devotional is not just Scripture. It's somebody else speaking into my life in, a, in more of a story way or an anecdotal way. Buy a devotional book. I encourage you to start a reading plan. I encourage you to start or to join a life group. We have four groups that are going on this semester. They just started this past Tuesday night, and they go every week all the way up until, I think, early May. Join a life group. If you want to grow in your faith, you have to have a lifestyle like Jesus. The only way to get a lifestyle like Jesus is to begin to acting like him and like other Christians. Join a life group. Make Christian friends. My point in this is to, in order to create a lifestyle, you have to take steps to it, and you do that like something. If you want to become like something, you have to start acting like it and emulating it and practicing it. And you do that every day through our steps. So our growth steps. Number one was a heart for Jesus. Number two was a lifestyle like Jesus. And number three, finally, is this, is that priority is given to Jesus. Priority is given to Jesus. All of these are coming out of the space of the seeds, right, on the different elements of the different soils. Even the strongest of plants can be killed by weeds. If you don't tend to your garden... It's going to be overflowing with weeds and then the fruit that it will be either limited or will be non-existent. In order for you to have a thriving life or a thriving faith, you need to pull up those weeds. And that means Jesus was talking about the worries of life. He's talking about the lure of wealth. Weeds are anything that crowd out God growing in your life. If there are things that are happening in your life, maybe not even bad things, good things, right? But too much of a good thing can crowd out other things that are more important. This is all about priority. Our faith must be a priority in our lives. And to reach our fullest potential and to produce the harvest, we have to do that. Jesus finished that by saying, right? He said, he said that, the, that the seed that's planted in the good soil can produce 30, 60, or even 100 times more of a harvest when it's planted in good soil. So this tiny, tiny little seed that God plants, there are people, that's why, that's why you see all over the place, there are people who start their life and they are maybe, that, that's what I love about the City Reach Network, actually. There's a network of churches that are all around here that are planted in areas where drugs and prostitution uh, are just reign supreme in communities, right? And these, these people go in and they plant these, these City Reach churches. And this is the concept of the this, this small seed that's planted. There are pastors now who are going back to the neighborhoods where they were used to be drug dealers, right? They would go back to these neighborhoods changed by Jesus and now are transforming neighborhoods because of what God has done in them. That is a seed that was planted in their life that is now producing 30, 60, 100 fold because now not just one person's not doing drugs anymore. They go back to the same community and that plant is growing and it's creating fruit that is changing the lives of other people who are being destroyed by poverty, by destruction of, of drugs and by, by prostitution. You see what I'm saying? Like this stuff is happening and it's producing a harvest. But that only happens when you allow your life to be so transformed by God that it can then begin 
to, to produce a harvest that is greater than anything you ever imagined. And that's all about our choices. We have to choose one thing over another. I mean, choices really just means if I have two good options, which one is the best option? We're not even talking about bad things. So I'm not saying you have to stop this or stop that. What I'm saying is, is in order to make God a priority, to make your faith a priority in your life, it's really about saying, I'm going to choose this instead of that, even though these are good things. That means, that means choosing to come to church weekly. Weekly. Why? Not because I want you to hear my voice, but because it's important for us as a body of Christ all to come together and to hear God speak to us so that we can challenge each other. And if you only come to church once a week or once a month, I would encourage you to start coming twice, okay? Take steps, right? So I understand our lifestyles uh, oftentimes are built the way that they are. So if you are really having a hard time coming to church once, then make a choice to come twice. If you come three times, make a choice to come four. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it needs to become a priority in our life. The Bible clearly says, do not forsake the coming together, right? And what they're talking about is it's just something that happens when we come together corporately. We grow together because we can challenge each other. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. That means when we're together with each other, we can sharpen each other and encourage each other and grow. Choose to be committed to personal time with Jesus. These choices, right, given priority to Jesus means we have to choose to take some of our prior personal time and spend it with Jesus. We will not grow. We will not grow as disciples of Christ if we are not committed to spending time with him. Choose to sharpen your faith with relationships with other Christians. Spend time with other people. If you spend more time in your life with people who aren't Christians, you're going to become like them. That's the reality of it. You become like who you spend your time with. So if you want to become the person that God created you to be, then you must grow in your relationship with Jesus and strive to be like him. And so my challenge for you today is this. This is the final piece here is be intentional about who you are emulating. Be intentional about who you are emulating. Many of us are very unintentional and we are emulating people that are influencing us that we're not even aware of. Maybe it's Beyonce. I don't know. The point is, is that we need to be intentional about who we are emulating. If we call ourselves Christians, if we're going to hold ourselves to the standard of those who were in Antioch when they were called Christians, that means to be like little Christs, little Jesuses. That means that our lives should be so reflective of the personality and the principles and the lifestyle and the values of Jesus Christ that people would look at us and say, wow, if that's what a Christian looks like then at least they have to make a choice, right? Many of us live almost like our lives are almost like we're, we're secret Christians. Like we're a Christian on the inside, but I don't really, no one would know it, you know? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 like I want you to be like me because when people act like Jesus in this truest of sense, serving other people, giving themselves for other people, loving people unconditionally, that's attractive, People need that. They want that. They, they desire that because it's something that speaks on a transcendent level that they can't get anywhere. No amount of fame or money or clothing or houses or women or guys or jobs or video games or movies or anything is going to be able to fill the deepest holes in your life. The only thing that does is Jesus. 
And when we give our lives to him and when we truly live that way, it draws people to us. There's just something that calls out to people. The Holy Spirit uses you. When you are willing to allow yourself to be fertile soil and you begin to grow in your faith, the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Bible tells us is there, begins to to then leak out and it, it begins to like it's almost like a perfume i don't know how else to explain it it's like it's just a scent that then begins to attract kind of like pheromones you know what i mean like that's the concept right the more we become like jesus the more we begin to emit what jesus is like in our life and other people are drawn to that that's the only image that kind of just came to me right there so be intentional about who you're emulating intentional about emulating jesus Make your heart ready for him. When you come to church, when you wake up in the morning, God, speak to me today as I go through work. Let me hear you today as I talk to my boss or as I talk to customers or whatever it might be. Take some steps to grow. What are some things you can do today? What are some plans you could put in motion to help you grow? Look at your calendar. Build some space out. And make the tough choices. I had a friend of mine once who told me he was going to give up playing video games. I said, why would you do that? That's crazy. And he said, because, he said, I don't know, I think video games are great, obviously. He said, but he said, I just felt like I was playing so many video games that I wasn't spending any time with Christ. I wasn't spending any time. He said, I felt like God was saying, I want you to stop for a while. He said, I'll probably go back and play again sometime. But right now, the priority needs to be with, with Jesus. I'm not spending any time, and it's taken away. It's the same thing with my wife. <coughs> Excuse me. If I, I love football, and I watch a lot of football. During the football season, there was a time in our marriage where Heather felt like I just was spending so much time watching football, she didn't see me very much. And so I made the choice. So, okay, well, I'll only watch this game, and then the rest of them I don't have to watch. And, she, and that was fine. It was a choice, a priority, right? I made some tough decisions in my life in order to, to, to grow. So would you, would you pray with me? What we're going to do, we're going to close out the service today with, with a chance for you to respond physically. We have a prayer wall that is uh, out in the lobby. We have a kind of a cork board. And inside of your program is a small sliver of paper. I encourage each of you to pull that out in just a moment. And I want you to write something down. And I'm going to kind of give you a few options of what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. But before we do that, I just want to pray and ask the Lord to just to speak to our hearts. God, we, we want to grow in you. We want this dream that you have for me and for, for all of us in this room to become a reality. We want to be connected to you through a relationship with Jesus. We want to become the fullest, best version of ourselves, the potential that you have created for us. We want it to not just become unrealized. We want to become the realized potential. We want what you have created for us to be, to be multiplied 30, 60, 100 times. We want to make a difference in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in our relationship with you. So we just open ourselves up now, God. We open our hearts to you. Figuratively, we just kind of peel back the layers and we say, would you just, would your spirit now go down into the deepest of recesses and just right now allow him to, to speak to you. Allow him to, uh, to allow yourself to just experience the presence of God. And I, I, I believe that he will speak to you. I know that he is just going to begin speaking to you now, just challenging you calling you to a deeper place, to a deeper relationship. And just say under your breath or in your, in your mind, just, just respond to him. Say, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, Jesus. I want to be like you. And so what we're going to do with those pieces of paper, I encourage you, I challenge you to, to, to respond in one of these three elements, okay? The first one is a matter of the heart. Maybe you've been keeping God at arm's length 
in your relationship with him. Maybe you haven't even begun a relationship with him. And, and every time that you are here about Jesus, or you come to church, you kind of keep it all at arm's length. I would encourage you today to, to let him in today. So I would, for you, I would write down the word heart. Just write it down. Heart is what you'd write on your piece of paper. And that's a symbol of you saying, I'm going to take this, this time. I'm going to respond now by allowing God into my heart, allowing him to, to marinate and to simmer in there so that I will create fertile soil, that I would, I'm making choices to begin expectantly to hear from him. Maybe you, for you today, you would write down the word lifestyle and said, maybe there are steps that you can begin taking today. What is it that God's speaking to you? Maybe he's calling you to begin a, a devotional time. Maybe he's saying, I want you to worship me more often. Whatever it might be for you, I want you to write the word lifestyle down. And I want you to make a mental note. I want you to make a mental note of whatever that step is. What's a step you can take today? Write that down. And lastly, priority. What choice can you begin to make today? What is it that you can do today to take a priority and make priority in your life for Jesus? And then for you, you would write down the word priority. Go ahead and take that time right now just to begin writing heart, lifestyle, priority. And in your mind, just make a mental note or even write it down on another piece of paper or something. What is it that, that, that God has spoken specifically to you? Just take a quick moment to do that. And what I want you to do when you're done, when we finish out and close in service in just a second, take that piece of paper and just pin it to the board out in the lobby. And that's just a sign of you saying, God, I'm willing to do this. You're just putting it there. And it's confidential. I mean, you're just writing a word, right? And no one knows your name or anything. Just put it there. And it's just a seal, right? You're just, you're taking a physical step. There's something powerful, just like taking notes in school. It translates from the mind to your paper, but then it somehow cements it. That's what we're doing here. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.